I'm Adam, and I'm going to woo you and confuse you with this tale of shrooms. I'm Chris. I'm going to talk about Clay and an impossible mission. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. What do all of these stories have to do with the word digit? We'll tell you. Find out this week on this week's episode of History Bluffs. <laughs> And please welcome to the stage your host, Darren, where he will show you that truth is stranger than fiction. Hey. Yeah. Hi, Gina. Hi. How you doing, Darren? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, hey. Yeah. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome, historians. Welcome, all of you on the internet who are watching our bits fly out into the ether. Uh, welcome to another episode of History Bluff, straight from the Armchair Historical Society's World Headquarters, which is in your web browser. It's that way you can carry it with you wherever you go. I know, it's great. And it saves us a lot of money on rent. Um, <laughs> my name is Darren. I'm going to be your host this evening. And uh, But before we get into the show, I, I just want to give it up to Gina for that perfect tech intro that we just had. She's been doing this a long time. But it's my first time hosting, so I've got to live up to her standard. That's right. Uh, Hello, of excellence. Everybody. That's right, Darren. And and I set the bar quite high. I know, <laughs> as we all do. Uh, so let's get right to it. I want to introduce to you three amazing historians uh, who are all going to give you their digits after the show, right? Or, what? Or maybe, or maybe during the show, or or we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The show's about digits, but. Let's get to meeting our historians, and I want to start out with uh, Adri. Hi, Adri. Hello. Hi, great to going? see you tonight. It's going good. <laughs> uh, I've got a question for you. Uh, it's very on topic. So, uh, you know, often if you go into a truck stop men's room, there's phone numbers written on the walls. Um, why does nobody ever call me? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, do you want men to call you? Because oh, the... I'm not supposed to go into the men's room, is what you're saying. I should be going to the women's room. <laughs> yeah, all that's right, that's who my mistake. Call, right? Yeah. All right. Okay. Maybe this will get cleared up as we go on. Thanks Dar for that, Darren. I've been calling you. I, every number I call on that wall, I ask for Darren, but nobody has has been there yet. But at least you're making friends along the way. That's all that matters. Uh, you know, let's move on to to Adam. Hey, Adam. Hi, Darren. Uh, Adam, I have a related question to Adri's question for you, and that is, what is your favorite lossless analog to digital audio codec, and why isn't it flat? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm kind of a fan of a AC, but at the same time, it's like a proprietary Apple thing. So honestly, I just stick with good old waveform. Yeah, good answer. Good answer. Thank you. All right, and now on to Chris. Hey, Chris. Four. What? Four. Four, that's your favorite digit? That's my answer to your question. Yes, it's my favorite digit. All right, and now to hear the question, and that is uh, in two of Agatha Christie's novels, the murderer's poison of choice was Digitalis. What's your favorite poison and why? So uh, Digitalis light because it uh, doesn't work as bad. It's, it's, a little, it's a little friendlier poison. Oh, okay. So it's important in a poison fair that's right yeah you don't want to pork up right before you're murdered oh, all right so uh you know we've met everybody and we've got all that 
incredibly on topic information into the podcast. So why don't we play History Bluffs? Yeah, yes, let's, let's do it. Do let's it. play a game. Yeah. All right, Gina, can you put some rules up on the screen Absolutely. for us? Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Here, here's the way tonight's show is going to work. I love the music. I feel like I'm watching Miami Vice. All right, so each of our historians tonight are going to tell a story inspired by the topic, which is Digit. Two of them will be telling the truth, but one of them, one person will be bluffing. And the true stories must be based on fact. They must be factual. And the bluffer's story must be fictional, though they might throw some real facts in to confuse you. So watch out, they're sneaky. Uh, and so for those of you following along at home, you're only allowed to use research methods that were invented at the time of the story. So don't use the Google, okay? And you can only ask Jeeves if you have an actual butler named Jeeves. So uh, whether you have a butler or not, let's uh, just do one thing for me. Go up to your right side of your screen, whichever side that is, and there's a little chat box. Send us some messages. Tell us who you think is guilty or innocent. Tell you who's fibbing or not. And uh, we'll put them up on the screen and talk to you. So uh, the only thing left to do now is start the game. Gina, can we yes. start round number one? Oh, yes, we can. Right. Thanks, Gina. Uh, so let's get this thing started with Adrian. Well, first, I was wondering if you uh, just wanted to let everybody know that we're going to tell this story, every story in three rounds. And the first what? round will start now and... It will be with 75 seconds on the clock. Ooh, that's and, a good thing to tell them. Yeah. You want to tell them the rest? I will. Um, but first, I want to see Adri, because she's going to be first with part one of her story. So, Adri, you're going to have 75 seconds to tell us the first part of your story. And uh, you're going to hear a cannon shot and see a little sundial thingy. Perfect. I'm ready. All right. Have you guys ever noticed that phone numbers in movies and TV always start with a 555? Have you ever wondered why? Well, I'm here to tell you. Back in the day, phone numbers used to consist of a word and five digits, which was a numerical code. The word was a telephone exchange number, or I'm sorry, exchange name, and the number was a specific phone number assigned to a specific area. The word was, uh, no, I just read that, up until 1919, most phones were manual. You'd pick up the phone and you'd start talking to a telephone operator on the other end and you would say, hey, I want you to connect me to this person in this place and whatnot. And they would do it and they'd be on the other side, like, you know, plugging in their switchboards and all that stuff. And you would say something like, I want to be connected to PE6500. And uh, you can reference these kinds of exchanges uh, through classic movies like Butterfield 8 and Pennsylvania 6500, which they would call the Pennsylvania Hotel in New York. Now, eventually the phone company switched to a new system where the customer had to dial the number themselves, pick up the receiver, and wait for a dial tone. In the next segment, I'm going to explain exactly how that changed everything. Yes. Wow. Thank you, Adri. So uh, it's amazing that there was a time before they're like even – they hadn't even invented the dial on the phone. You just yes. picked it up and it just made noise. That's amazing. So why don't we see, uh, start with Chris. Chris, what do you think about that? 
It's interesting. She had some pretty interesting facts, as you pointed out, about the early uh, renditions of phones and, and the use of phones. But uh, I, I, I'm questioning some of the validity of some of those facts that, that you know, she said 1919, uh, up until 1919, we had manual phones where they would you would pick up and say, I need to speak with someone. Um, how come? Like, I'm just thinking like Andy Griffith's show, he would pick up the phone and he would get the operator. He said, you know, Doris, I need to talk to, you know, Barney. Um, and they would put him through. So that was not 1919. So I'm questioning that. And then um, uh, 555, yeah, it's still, you know, um, the most commonly known you know number used in Hollywood. Um, very interesting that she's using that. I think she's uh, throwing a something that we all recognize out there to throw us off. Oh. All right. Mm. So, Adam, uh, you come from a part of the country that it was very far back in time when you lived there, Maine. Uh, yes. So did you experience that growing up in Maine? <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> I probably missed that only by a few years. I will say to this day in Maine, if a van drives past you on the street, that's like a dry cleaner or like a, a repairman. There's only seven numbers on the side of that van to this day. Wow. So, yeah. They don't have area um, codes yet in Maine. No. I mean, there is an area code, but there's only one and nobody. In the whole know. state? Yeah. 207. Ah! That's it. That's and Maine. everybody knows it, so they don't bother to write it down. Okay. Well, no. Adam, so. <laughs> yeah. Since, uh, on that interesting note, let's hear part one of your story. I'd oh, like to good. see what you have to say about digits. All right. No problem. I've got some things to say about digits. Okay. <clears> and you <throat> can start whenever you hear the boom. That's right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Here's my timer. So way back... Let's go back to uh, let's go back to the Roman Empire, shall we? Uh, emperors were important people. Okay, now emperors were often the target of assassinations, as one could imagine back in the day. Well, even in modern day, anybody important is at risk of assassination. Uh, it's tough to be in charge. So, a lot of different ways you can take a person out. One of the popular ways back then, and actually, Darren, I think you mentioned this at the top of the show, is poison. Right. So if you were going to make a dish for uh, and serve a dish to someone important, like an emperor of Rome, uh, specifically Emperor Claudius, if you will, uh, you're going to want to Emperor Claudius wants some assurances. So what does he do? He hires a taste tester. Now, uh, this one particular tester I'm going to tell you about, his name was Halotus and Halotus would take his digit, dip it in the pie or stew or what have you, and give it a little mwah. And if he keeled over, then Emperor Claudius wouldn't eat it. Luckily, that didn't happen very often. <laughs> oh my well, hello, Halotus. <laughs> At least he got to eat Italian food. I mean, you know, oh, nobody complains about that. Got that. Got that. I guess that's the origin of finger licking good. So, uh, Chris, Chris, I'm curious to see what you think about this pointed story. Well, he uh, he had me down a path of believability until. Oh. He created the name Halotus, which sounds an awful lot like halitosis. And, it does, doesn't uh, it? So, uh, so I color me skeptical. Oh. Ooh, okay. Okay, okay. Well, 
Yeah. All right. I lost. I'm losing Chris. I'll get you in round two, though. I promise. Uh-huh. Adrian, what, what do you think about that? I was also bent up on Helotus, which also sounds like <laughs> hello, it's, or hello. <laughs> sounds like a Jerry Lewis movie. Hello, it's poison. Hello. Yeah. Is it's, this thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It just sounds a little fishy. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, probably okay, a lot of those things right. smelled a little fishy. Roman yeah. cooking was not that good back then. Oh, that's all right. So we, we've heard from Adrian. We've heard from Adam. We have not yet heard from Chris for part one of his story. Chris, what have you got to tell us about digits? Okay. So I am going to tell you about the most famous digits in television history. But first, we're going to start a little back in history, not as far back as Adam went, but we're going to go to 1897 England. And a gentleman named William Harbutt, he, he photographed these clay forms of bakery items. He had a, he was kind of in, they didn't call it advertising at the time, but in advertising like business. Um, and one of his, um, one of his clients was a bakery. Um, and he, he had become fascinated with a relatively new technology called animation. So he took a bunch of clay forms and made, you know, these croissants and bread and all this other stuff, um, bakery items. And he made animation out of that, right? Fast forward to 1908 France, a gentleman named Segundo de Chamon. He did a, he did something called the Sculptor Moderne and featuring heaps of clay that molded themselves into sculptures in his still, his series of still photographs. Then we fast forward to New York City, 1917, a woman named Helena Clayton Smith, the first well-known animator, first well-known female animator, sorry. And she had this little feature film called Dolly and Jim, all out of these clay little movement things. And I'll tell you how that ties the most famous TV starting in that round. All right. So the, the history of claymation. Adam, I know you uh, went to school for animation. What do you think about that? I did, and I don't... I don't know if it started that. I'm I'm I I'm dubious because I don't think the claymation uh, uh, history of claymation starts anywhere nearly far that far back because we had to advance uh, a lot farther with the uh, technical operations of stop cam stop motion cameras. Eh, I'm not buying the timeline here. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, I'm dubious. Dubious, huh? So, Adri, what do you think about this story about a French? people making bread and not eating it and just photographing it instead. <laughs> yeah, highly unlikely. French people are there to eat. Uh, <laughs> secondly, uh, his name is Segundo, which is actually a Spanish word, wow. not even a name. Segundo is second. So, hmm. They, they, they do then, like non-French people live in France, you know. <laughs> that is true. But in 1897, they probably didn't. And then on top of that, fair movie making didn't come around until a little bit later when they figured out 24 frames per second was the movie that they needed. So I'm I'm weary. I'm weary. All right. Well, you know, we've got a lot of skepticism all around. I think the only way to resolve some of this is to start round number two. <laughs> Right. So, uh, you know, Adam, I want to hear a little bit more about your story. 
So All right. uh, in, in round number two, you're going to have sex. Sexy. Sexy seconds. Let's get it. Sexiest voice, Adam. Or maybe a minute if you prefer. Yikes. Tell okay. part two of your story, and which will gonna... start after the booms. Okay. All right. So, Halotus was the official <laughs> taste tester for Emperor Claudius. Okay. Now, this is, of course, uh, in the year uh, 54 AD. So, not a lot of tasting technology, so he used his digit, as I said in round one, to taste the food. Well, Halotus, we don't really know necessarily about his motives. He was just the taste tester. But it turns out that Agrippina the Younger, who was the wife of Emperor Claudius, she hatched a plot. And in fact, she hatched a plot with one of the uh, emperor's court. His name was Locusta. Uh, his name is Locusta. So Locusta and Agrippina, they poisoned his favorite dish, which was mushrooms, which I told you was going to come about in the show intro. So here we are, mushrooms, his favorite dish, but it's poisoned. And Halotus is the tester bringing them to the dinner table. And we'll have to finish in round three. Yeah, we'll have to get back to that and find out. How this turns out, uh, Adri, yeah. what, what do you think about the the fingers in the mushrooms? So I have a question. Was Agrippina and Lokista, were they trying to kill the emperor or Halotus? Well, see, now that's going to be an interesting dynamic that's going to have to wait for round three, because okay. you're right. You're right. Halotus would be the barrier of protection, would he not? Right. Yeah, so, okay. Th that was my question. Okay. I still have no idea question. what's happening uh, with either story, so I'm up for grabs still. Mushrooms! Chris, what do you think of this supreme pizza of a story? <laughs> well, uh, not being on mushrooms at the moment, I'm not falling for it because I have been to museums. Uh, they had utensils back then. If, if someone put their finger in the meal that the emperor was about to eat, they would lose their hand. Not, I just, you know, and also, uh, I think, you know, what was it? Lo Locusta and Agrippina. Yeah. I think, uh -huh. I think before we started uh, the show, um, I think maybe um, Adam might've been uh, watching some television and saw a couple of pharmaceutical commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Sleep, sleep better with Locusta. <laughs> I think you might have your finger right on this one here. Uh, oh, no. Adrian. That's called digitizing. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. There it is. Adrian, I think I want to go to you next and hear part two of your story. All right, I'm ready. Okay, at the boom. Okay, so like I mentioned, eventually they switched over to where the customer would pick up the phone, wait for the dial, and start putting in the, the phone number. So at that point, they would still put uh, PE6500. They would turn the dial to get that. The, the, the PE turned into 73 because if you look at the keypad, 73 correlates with PE. Um, so uh, they would basically dial 7365000, which is a seven-digit number uh, like we have now minus the area code. Now out of that, how did they come up with 555? Some combinations for the first two letters of the words work better than others. 
uh, one of the combinations that was very difficult to correlate uh, as a useful exchange word was five five because the number five is JKL on the keypad. So there weren't many numbers that would work that way unless you were trying to call Klondike or something like that. So in the next segment, I'll wrap all that up. Wow, great story, JKL. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I'm fascinated to see how this might turn into modern internet leet speak and uh, texting abbreviations. Adam, uh, you're a big leet speaker. What do you think of that? This is starting. It sounding. It sounding like uh, uh, reading tea leaves or like uh, you know uh, astrology. Like oh, it's, it's, oh, the five 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 lines up with JKE. So it was a it was a controversy and a scandal to murder the emperor of Rome. Uh, never mind. That's my story. But hey, your stories are melding together. <laughs> it's amazing. Next thing, it's a very animated thing you just did there. Speaking of animation, Chris, what did you? Think I, of those stories. Very, very interesting. I started writing down, as she was saying these, I wrote down 73-65-00, and I wrote <laughs> locker combination. Light, as I was writing that, she used the word combinations. I think that was her PE locker combination, 73-65-00, and she's trying to pass this off as the history of phones. That's where I think she got That's it. it. That's it. JL. You know, instead of saying five five five, why wouldn't you say jackal jackal jackal? That's so much fun to say. <laughs> oh yeah, it would. Just that think would... about that opera, eh? jackal jackal jackal. <laughs> this would have been the perfect uh, history bluffs to be able to use like a, a, a visual aid, so you guys could mm. see. Because it is hard to know what I'm talking about. It's true. It's it true. true. All right. Well, Chris, uh, you know, speaking of lockers, that's a often a subject of like open the locker and all this stuff falls out onto the floor to make a great animation. And are you, I'd like to hear about how uh, you might've made that kind of animation with bread and clay. Sure. Uh, and, of your uh, story. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and we'll so, start at the boom. Here I go. Uh, and just to clarify, speaking of things that are uh, hard to, uh, whatever uh, Adri said with, which we had visuals because I wish we had visuals could too because I did not yet say made a movie. I did not yet say claymation. Those are coming, but uh, oh. I didn't say this was all background information. What I said so far in round one in round two, we do jump forward to 1966, New York, CBS TV, actually LA CBS TV. Um, however, we're talking about a cult phenomenon, a hit series called Mission Impossible Launch. It ran for seven seats, became hugely popular in syndication, and one of the most famous openings in television. They're burning of a recorder, and with the thing that says, Mr. Phelps, your mission should you choose to accept it. Um, and Mr. Phelps is played by a guy named Peter Graves. Remember that name, Peter Graves, because it's going to come up in my round three. But the opening of that show, Mission Impossible, was critical to my round three story, the opening of the show, because that's where it's come in. In round three. Burning tape recorder. I, I think that's the first time that's been referenced on History Bluffs. Uh, Adri, do you remember that show? Were, were you a big MI fan? Uh, no, I am partial to the uh, Tom Cruise uh, version of it, which includes zero stop play animation. So. <laughs> that, that's that is that's true. true. His stunts are actually claymation. He, did, he doesn't actually do his <laughs> yeah. stunts. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think Tom Cruise is actually claymation. Uh, <laughs> Might as well possible. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that, Adam? 
Um, oh, man. See, now he's... Okay, so if if Chris is bless, bluffing, and he probably is, let's face it. Um, mm. he's, he's, I don't know. It's very, not me. Very good mislead, Adam. Mm. <laughs> I, throwing in the specificity of the Mission, Mission Impossible, it's like, oh, see, he's hooking into stuff we know now. He's playing to our mm-hmm. pop culture references, and like, uh, you're trying to tickle neurons and throw me off the trail. That's what I think. No tickling minor on. <laughs> Adrian, well, what do you mean by never mind? <laughs> the family just up show here. Just oh, here. okay. Just up here. Tickle tickle the brain. Yes. Tickle those neurons. All right. Well, you know what? That has we've heard from everybody according to this thing at the top of my screen. So that <laughs> only could mean one thing, and that it's time for the final round, round number three. <laughs> But I don't think we had you start around yet. And so I think I want to hear the last part of your animated story. Okay. 45 oh, to wrap it all up. 45 seconds. On the clock now. Um, so, fast forward five years, 1971. The most famous claymation of all time. I, I'm sorry, 1964. The most famous claymation of all time, a couple years earlier was done uh, by a guy named Rankin Bass, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger. They still play it today on some TV things for Christmas, for some TV channels. Um, he was also involved with the most famous claymation intro to a TV show. At WPIX in New Jersey, WPIX TV, they had a thing called Chiller, with six fingers coming out of the ground. And it was like that, uh, like that. And, and it was really creepy. It gave me nightmares uh, when I saw it later on in, in uh, reruns. Um, Rankin Bass did that. Uh, Rankin Bass was a cousin of Peter Graves. Peter Graves was a brother of James Arness. James Arness and Peter Graves were grandsons of Helena Clayton Smith, the first female animator back in 1907 in New York City. So that's how it all ties wow. together with six fingers, the digits of creepy chiller theater. So six fingers or degrees of Kevin Bacon, but in this case, Rankin Bass is what we're supposed to believe. Andrew, what do you think about these sort of tenuous connections that Chris is saying are all true. Yeah, it's a lot of red flags for me. We've got Rankin Bass, who's related to Gary Smith, who's related to Tom Cruise, who's the sister of this person and the stepmother of her. And it's just a lot of connections. I don't buy it for a second. You can reach your ball at 8675309. Transylvania 65000. That was Kramer's first show that I ever saw. Oh, wow. So, Adam, we heard about Rankin Bass. How how do you translate this to uh, the modern-day audience in the form of uh, Billy Big Mouth Bass? (laughs) (laughs) Well, clearly, Billy Big Mouth Bass was portrayed by Gollum. No, no, Rankin Bass (laughs) is known for one thing and one thing only. End of story, full stop. It's the animated Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So, just, that's it. No, no. Forget their other work. It's garbage. Also, the most popular claymation in history is the skeleton scene from Jason and the Argonauts, which is historic by epic proportions. I call poppycock. I'm throwing the flag. It's a bluff. Nerd fight. Nerd. Push your glasses back. Nerd fight. 
I'm just trying things. Ooh, the gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> We're not even to the accusation stage of things. So, but let's let's move along so we can get to those accusations. Adam, I'd like to hear the final part of your story now. All right. Okay, here we go. All right, I've got 45 seconds to wrap this up. So, okay, so as the taste tester, Halotis would have, you would think, be the prime suspect. But, fascinatingly, the emperor died. He died from the poison mushroom. So the plot was a success, but Halotis was never properly charged. In fact, in fact, quite the opposite. He was given a pro- procutor, pro- procureship. I can't say this for you. Let me check my notes, <laughs> my non-bluffing notes. My a pro- procuratorship. He was in charge of things. They gave him like government power and stuff. And he was never charged. And in fact, he eventually disappeared from the record. So if he was in on it, he got off scot-free with all of his digits intact. Wow. So you're saying if he was involved, he successfully had the was part of the murder of an emperor and nobody fingered him for it. That's Not a amazing. one. Not a Not finger. A one. Chris, Chris, what, what are your thoughts on this uh, deadly matter? I'm writing notes down feverishly here. Uh, the emperor died. This guy yeah. was a taste tester, and he became right. a, a position of power. Who was he like? The, he was the, the uh, early ancestor of Frank Abendanda, the guy for Catch Me If You Can. I did, no, no, no. No, this is oh. Game of Thrones level stuff. I don't even know, man. He got away with it scot free. Wow, uh, Chris is no. throwing the glove down with fingers in it or not. Adrian, okay. what do you say? I am also calling bluff right now. There's no way that he, his only job was to eat food and make sure that the emperor would survive. The emperor does not survive and he keeps his job. Like, he'd be canceled immediately. He'd be canceled Ooh, immediately. Roman cancel culture. Yes. <laughs> I'm calling Very it. Very strict. Very yeah, strict. I mean, <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. So all we have left now, according to the non-visible round tracker, there, there it is, is. <laughs> is one more person left, and that is Adri. We need to hear the final part of your story about phone numbers. Whenever you're ready, but now. All right. So we narrowed down the two... Uh, most unlikely numbers for the the telephone companies to use would be five five, which was JKL. Um, 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 so Bell Systems decided to reserve one hundred numbers of the five 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 digits. So everything from five 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 zero one zero zero through five 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 zero one nine nine will always be reserved for Hollywood use. They will never, ever, ever, ever not have numbers available for them. Now, everything outside of those numbers might be used one day, but right now they're not being used. So 555 is clear right now all the way through, but specifically those 100 numbers are for Hollywood. All right. You're, so you're saying the reason nobody's calling me is I've been writing a 555 number down on the bathroom walls all these years. Uh, Correct. Yes. Can I, ask, Adam, can I ask a clarifying question? Yes. So, so like when they have those phone numbers and you try to call them after the show, those are not those are like real numbers though. They exist. Those, no, those are fake numbers. It's a deadline. Nothing will happen. Dead, if you call I know them. it's a deadline because they call them, but they are, <laughs> but you know. 
the hobby. You gotta the, try. What do you, you know? You gotta try. I know. Right? <laughs> you gotta try. Yeah. You know, right. Those, you know, those numbers are sold. They they do track who calls them, and those those people then are sold to um, the uh, people that call you for you know at nine o'clock at night oh, and buy all the stuff. Yeah. So, oh, that's yeah. okay. Yes. I just tell them that my mom's not home, and they believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, keep going. <laughs> Adam, your mom's not home. And if she was, you're not home because you're at Gina's house. What do you <laughs> think of that story? Okay, you messed up, Adrian. You messed up. It's not Bell oh. Systems. It's Bell Labs. I'm on to you. Oh, yeah. I heard I was listening. I can almost hear the organ music. That's right. My sources. Good luck with my that. sources <laughs> listed Bell Systems. Your sources are bluffy because you made it up. It's all oh. in your head. Oh, fight, the accusations fight, fight. are flying. <laughs> Chris, fight, no. I, I see a phone near you. What do you say to this? Oh, this is really interesting. I I, um, I also was, was a little skeptical of Adri until hmm. Adam so vehemently jumped at that little detail. Um and uh yeah, so this is this is interesting. I, I, wow. I yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, still the five 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 numbers. There's a hundred. I mean, anybody. If it's it's in a movie, everything's made up. So I think that part of her story was made up. It's JKL. JKL. Jackalope. Jackalope. That's right. Just kidding, Lance. <laughs> That's those right. Are all, those are all real words. You know, so many, <laughs> so many accusations are flying. I think we should just get to the part of the show where each of you accuse each of the other of you. So I'm going to step out. Well, you don't, we're gonna, don't we want to hear what everybody else thinks about everybody else, who they think. That's what I'm about. talking about. That's what we're going to do now. Oh, we're going to do that now. Okay. But I wanted to do it with these cameras. Oh, okay. I love it. I thought that's what we usually did. All right. So Chris. Yes. This show for me was filled with fascination. We had Adri with her combination. We had me with my animation, and we had Adam with his fabrication. Adam is the bluff. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, nonsense. Wow. I mean, well said. It's a sell, but no. <laughs> oh, Adam, you've been accused of bluffing. Who do you think the bluffer is? <sighs> well, I mean, Chris sounded like he was full of a bunch of hooey there for a while. I mean, I think he was still trying to pull, like I said, between rounds one and two, he was trying to pull the little pop culture, you know, pull on our nostalgia to sell his story, which I wasn't biting. However, Adri started tripping up into the complex details, and I think she showed her hand, so I'm blaming Adri. Gina agrees, apparently. It wasn't me, it was the audience, Darren. Well, the audience agrees. Adri, you've been accused. What say you? Uh, I am going to go with Adam as the bluff. It's just too unrealistic that he would get away with murder, basically. It was 54 AD, and there, you know, this wasn't really... <laughs> It wasn't hard. I had one job. One job. And one job. And they're going to promote him? Yeah. yeah. They, well, think about that real hard and think about middle management for a second. <laughs> okay. Just saying. Listen, I've had some bad coworkers in my life, but none of them have killed my boss. Okay, so. 
Well, as the host, I don't get a vote, but I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, people didn't wash their hands a lot back then. So having some dude just stick his finger in your soup doesn't really sound like something the king of the world would like. And just think about that in 2020. <laughs> like, that would yeah. be worse. <laughs> Way worse. <laughs> That All would right. be a job COVID would end. So, you know, it's time to find out who the bluffer is, and only Gina knows that. It sure is. So, Darren, you're already out of the feed, and I would like to ask the studio audience, did you think that it was Chris tonight? Or perhaps it was Adam? But could it be Adri? Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way to find out, and it, and and. That would be fun. Okay, so there's only one way to find out, and you know, tonight's bluff was Chris! The whole time. <laughs> Man, I knew. Oh, see, you threw me off at the last second. Man. Chris, you got me. You got me good. Oh. I almost had go. you. Way to go, Chris. It's Fooled like he slipped. Everybody. He slipped right through my digits. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know where the sad trombone is, but if I did, I'd do it right now. We'll just make all the sounds ourselves from now until the end of the show. Speaking of which, we have reached the end of the show, sadly. Uh, I've been your host for the first time. Gina's been your tech for the third time. But your historians tonight were Chris, Adam, and Adri. Thanks, all. Uh, thank you all for watching another episode of History Bluffs, where truth is stranger than fiction. See you next time. Outro music. That's right. Thanks, everybody, and have a wonderful night. Please join us every week here at 7 o'clock for History Bluffs on Wednesdays.